0: Hi everyone, and thank you so much for listening to the Girls Who VC podcast. Girls Who VC is the first organization dedicated to bringing young women into venture capital. My name is Isabella Mandis, and I'm the founder and CEO of Girls Who VC. On today's episode, we have Alexandra Dumas, who's the head of VC and startup partnerships at Google. She talks about her experiences investing as a mentor and also her role at Google and what it entails. Hope you enjoy. Thank you so much, Alex, for coming on to this podcast. I'm super excited for you to be here and talk about your experiences working with so many different VC firms.
1: Oh, it's such a pleasure, Isabella. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I was wondering if you could start off by telling us a little overview about yourself and your background and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Absolutely. It's such a
1: pleasure. I got my start undergrad business school at Wash U with a major in marketing. I initially thought that I was going to join the fashion industry. So at the time I was doing a number of case study competitions around fashion. And I had an international internship at Jimmy Choo, which was Very eye-opening. And it just so happens that I was on a school trip to Chicago and we visited Google, had never envisioned myself in the world of tech or thinking of myself as being technologically savvy by any means. Um, But the program just sounded so interesting. And I was so engaged with the employees there that I wound up becoming dual year intern back to back and taking my experience working and advising businesses of all different types on how to embrace technology to be successful with their business. And then coupled with my love of fashion, I started my career at Macy's.com. And so I was in the marketing strategy department, um, learned everything that there was to know about retail, but also realized that the business model certainly needed some transformation. And that led me back to Google, where I advised retailers of every form on, again, how to embrace technology to be more relevant and future-proof their business. Started angel investing concurrently and then leveraged those skills to my current role now at Google, where I oversee VC and startup partnerships. So I'll tell you a little bit more about my role. But it's been a really interesting journey of melding all of that experience together.
0: That's incredible. Thank you for breaking that down. So could you elaborate a little bit more how you started to become interested in venture capital and what that journey looked like for you? Yeah, it's just serendipity. I just so happen
1: to have a variety of friends with the same level of experience who were dipping their toes and starting to make angel investments. And I think one of the myths that I had was that you needed a certain level of experience in order to be effective, in order to be able to make. To be an effective venture capitalist and getting my courage and realizing that I had the breadth of a perspective to be able to understand and anticipate where some of the businesses were going. I just started making some very small checks and after getting the bug for it, it's almost, it's infectious when you start being around amazing founders and you start hearing their pitches and seeing their vision of how it's going to transform the world. It very quickly became something that I wanted to do in a large way instead of just working with the more established and sophisticated clients.
0: That's awesome. And when you were angel investing, can you talk about what you learned from this experience and how are you finding the companies and evaluating the investments and what did that process look like?
1: Absolutely. I think that was really where I started to understand the value of network. And so it was through angel investing. I joined a cohort, actually. That was the first thing. And it was through that collective consensus that gave me that expanded understanding and confidence to be able to deploy capital ultimately. Of course, you learn the various stages of due diligence. You learn how to incorporate a diversity of perspectives. And you learn how to trust your own gut. Because when you're at the time, I think I was maybe 25, 26 years old. And I looked very different than the cohort of other angel investors, but I was very confident in terms of my view and my vision of the world. And I think that also was something that I learned to trust myself and my own intuition and take a chance on seeing what the future holds.
0: So how did you go about actually sourcing and finding these companies that you ended up investing in?
1: So I briefly mentioned that it was a collective. And so because we were a pretty well-known angel collective, the founders came to, to the group. So it was a very kind of established pipeline diligence where they would reach out via the website or it'd have warm leads via the network, um, would of course go through a series of pre, pre-screening and then would have regular cadence of meetings in which the collective would meet,
0: evaluate those deals, and then decide whether or not to go forward from there. So were you investing like individually in the collective or was it like all or nothing where everyone invested or no one invested?
1: That's an excellent question. One of the things that I found really great about this specific model was that it was accessible. Generally speaking, when you think about angel investing, it's like minimum check size, 25K. And at that time, that can be a it can be really scary. And so I was definitely apprehensive of doing so. There were some times in which I felt as though certain deals warranted individual contribution. But in that model, we could I think it was maybe $10,000 a year that we had a fund. And so it was a collective fund. And then through it was like a communal voting model, decided whether or not to fund deals at the 100 or 250K level. Don't quote me on those dollar signs, it's been a while, but something of the sort. So I thought that was really powerful, in which it was a much lower bar for participation. And of course, led to diversification as well, and it was a great way of me getting started.
0: And how did you decide when you were looking at these different startups whether or not they would be a good investment? That's a great question. I think it took me a while
1: to be able to ultimately develop my investment thesis. I think it really started about going in what I knew and understood with the collective, for instance, really complex deep tech or biomedical deals that I just I knew that was not something that I really understood. That wasn't something that was going to get my specific voter attention. But given the fact that my background in pedigree is in retail and media entertainment, and I have practical experience advising those companies, I felt as though... I actually had a very strong perspective and vision. And so couple that with all the things that investors look at kind of the early stage, your view of the founders, your belief in them, whether or not clearly how great the terms are, who else is in the round, yada, yada, yada. And it was a level of just getting used to practice and also hearing and relying on others that I Clearly valued their opinion when getting to that level of subject matter expertise where it was a risk I was at that level of risk tolerance that was right for me
0: and elaborating on your experience in marketing and retail that you said has helped you how do you think that your experiences working at these companies has helped you with your roles now
1: I think there are a great deal of transferable skills and just general themes that I've been able to carry through. I think core of marketing is growth. And so that is the North star for any startup or for any sort of VC. And so having that natural alignment towards growth and all of those different levers that contribute to that, I think are was very beneficial. The other thing that I think people don't understand is that marketing is a culmination of a multitude of different functions within an organization. It reflects product strategy, it reflects pricing strategy, it even reflects your organizational alignment and so when you have a very robust and strategic approach on how you're going to drive growth marketing touches and crisscrosses and intersects with every different part so i think your understanding of how the organization works and how it's to being a growth engine at the end of the day is something that you can
0: carry through And when you're working with these companies and startups, how are you helping to support them and what are you working on? What are you going in and trying to help them with?
1: So in my core role at Google, and I'll take that as a question, generally speaking, there are a variety of different services and technologies that are within the broader Google ecosystem that can help a startup throughout its entire life cycle whether a startup is actually in that building phase and they're building with the technology or they are in a phase of scaling and growth and they're leveraging our channels to either grow or to optimize through that journey, there's a variety of positioning. And so it's really a matchmaking and figuring out the specific needs and the stage and figuring out what suite of solutions could be helpful at the time, and what practical resources and support via talent, services, even other support in terms of like Google being a potential customer, strategic introductions, how we as an overall organization can be helpful to startups.
0: So you touched on what you do with startups and that relationship. Could you elaborate more on your role, what it entails? What are you doing on a day-to-day basis? How are you working with VCs? How are you working with startups? You can basically
1: think about me and my role as a connector. And so it's my role to understand how to navigate the complexity of the Google ecosystem because we have a variety of different product solutions and product solutions that are specifically geared towards startups. We have a variety of internal investment-based teams that have different core remits, and we also have different subject matter experts. And so my understanding is how and who does what within Google to be able to facilitate the execution of different partnerships and deals that will drive growth or drive whatever sort of objectives. If it's facilitating introductions that could lead to business development opportunities, alignment in certain events, Even things like growth or product adoption, product integrations, it's my job to be able to facilitate those connections and identify areas of synergy and opportunity.
0: And what does that look like? What does your schedule look like in the morning? What are some things that you're working on? We're talking about before this podcast, some events that you're planning. So really, like generally, that's your objective. But what are you doing day to day?
1: it's hard. <laughs> what am I doing on a day-to-day? I can tell you. it really. It, that's the thing that I love about this job is it's so dynamic. Everything that I mentioned to you, it's almost a blank canvas of opportunity of being able to connect the dots. Generally speaking, I have a remit of strategic VC partners that I meet with on a regular cadence. I understand what the makeup of their portfolio is, what the general needs of their portfolio companies are, where there is existing appetite for a deeper partnership with Google. And then based upon that, I'll also have a variety of meetings internally to understand where the current Google product roadmap is, where there are either upcoming events or opportunities where we may be able to engage the wider ecosystem. And from there, we'll formulate plans of engagement and we'll facilitate those opportunities. So that's one bucket. Another thing that I'll do is I'll try to plan scaled ecosystem engagements so referencing what you just touched upon i'm very excited to participate in la tech week Uh, such a wonderful event last year that had the entire ecosystem engaging. And so Google will be present in a very large way. We'll be co-hosting demo days, we'll be co-hosting a wonderful panel about building startups with generative AI. So thinking about all the different aspects of the Google ecosystem and how we'll be touching about that, how we'll be forming wins around allyship, Brokering strategic interactions within our wider ecosystem and just putting our brand forward is something as well. And then another example of a partnership that I'll do is for instance, I had a call earlier today about an interesting technological capability in which Google may either want to integrate into our one of our products or potentially purchase and receive. And so figuring out the appetite and what kind of that what that engagement would look like between the different teams is something as well.
0: Thank you. And since you have experience working alongside so many firms, I know a lot of our members are struggling between finding a firm that really aligns with their interests, their passions, also trying to figure out what kind of stage they want to work with, what location, all of that. So how do you recommend that people get a good understanding of the firms that exist and maybe which one they would be a good fit for both on the working from them as a adventure Capitalist and maybe even as a startup founder, which one to work with as well? Oh,
1: that's great. The name of the game at the end of the day is matchmaking. I think one of the things that's really interesting is that the ecosystem is incredibly vast and it's continuing to grow, uh, which means that there's a lot of opportunity and it means that there's a lot of potential for specialization. I think as a vc or if you're going to be seeking a full-time opportunity in vc i think you really need to be clear in terms of what value you would bring to the firm at the end of the day if you have a really strong operator experience somewhere if you were a founder yourself if previously were an investor with several successful exits because i think at this day and age or excuse me, this specific time, rather, VCs are being very selective in terms of who they're bringing on board. It's not that they're not hiring, but I think there's a very specific skill set that they're looking. If you have any background in generative AI right now, that is a wonderful example. So that's one thing to think about. Um, Another thing to think about is fund size at the end of the day, because that is going to affect compensation. And I think that is something to think about, as well as who the makeup of your LPs are, and how young and nascent the fund is. And then there's an opportunity for founders to be very specific about what they're looking for in an investor. I ask founders a lot if they have an investor target list and if they understand the investor profiles. Are you going to the meeting understanding what their general check sizes are? Because if that's not something that you're pre-screening from the beginning, I think that you need to be very specific about who, what percentage of your company you're willing to give up, all of those types of things. And I don't mean this in terms of being overly picky, but I just mean this in terms of having some sort of idea. And there's a variety of, mentors, advisors, and groups that you can go to try to get some of this guidance. But I just urge founders to have informed decisions and really be clear about what they're looking for an investor, as well as be understand their data rooms inside and out and be realistic about the value that their business is able to drive.
0: Yeah, that's definitely awesome advice. And for people that are interested in pursuing a career in entrepreneurship and venture capital, are there any takeaways that maybe you wish you knew earlier or things that you think would be helpful for people to know?
1: You can do it at any time. And I think all experience is relevant experience.
0: That's awesome. And to close off, are there any resources that you use to stay up to date on latest trends in the industry or any resources that you recommend people check out?
1: That's a great question. Strictly BC is constantly in my inbox. Mine huge, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge Scott Galloway fan, love CB Insights, I actually just signed up for Charles Hudson's newsletter today. He's been having some really interesting and insightful writing on LinkedIn recently, but yeah, just LinkedIn. Generally and seeing what's posted on the network. Is this blasphemy to go on a podcast and be launching one yourself and be like, I don't listen to that many podcasts? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's just I'm all about articles, the newsletters, the downloads.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on here and talking about your experiences from everything from marketing to angel investing to now working at Google. I'm really appreciative that you came on here and shared some of your insights.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Isabella. It was
0: a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and supporting Girls Who BC. Make sure to check out our website, girlswhobc.com and follow us on social media at Girls Who BC. See you next time.